In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten, they remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is Retrolave. Welcome to Retrolave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what made these games special. This week's feature is X-Wing by LucasArts. X-Wing is a Star Wars franchise that attempts to simulate the fictional experience of starfighter combat while remaining faithful to the movies. The player took the role of a pilot of the Rebel Alliance and in later games the Galactic Empire. To complete the games, players must complete missions such as simple dogfights with opposition starfighters, reconnaissance missions and inspection tasks, escort duties for freighters or capital ships, or attacks on larger opposition ships. In addition to dogfighting designed to resemble the freewheeling duels of World War I, the game also offers the challenge of managing power resources and wingmen and using weapons effectively. The game X-Wing, which was released in 1993, begins seemingly a few months prior to A New Hope and involves helping the Rebel Alliance with salvage gathering intelligence and ambushing Imperial forces. However, the second tour is mostly driven by the inception of the Death Star plans by secretly modifying Imperial communication satellites, which prompts the player to help deliver the plans to Princess Leia Organa and eventually stop the Death Star at the Battle of Yavin. The third tour shows the Rebel Alliance desperate to discover the location of the Death Star, while the plans are en route to the Rebel Alliance High Command. There were expansion packs, Imperial Pursuit and B-Wing, which focuses on helping the Rebel fleet evacuate Yavin 4 after the destruction of the Death Star, along with protecting the Rebel fleet while searching for a new base. The game concludes with the Rebels moving into the Hoth system and setting the stage up for the Empire Strikes Back. Now, joining me on the call this evening, we have Chris Jobs. Hello. James Weigel. Hello. Alan Stroud. Hello. Dave Hughes. Hello. And last, and of course, the least, Grant Wolcott. Hello. Evening, guys. So, okay, guys, before we actually get into the game, who's played the game before and what are your memories of it? Uh, Dave, I think you're probably the one that's played this the most. Yeah, I played it when it first came out. I rushed out to the shops and bought it. At the time, I was a very big Star Wars fan, and I just wanted to fly an X-Wing. I think like everybody else my age around about that time did. My impression of it back then was it was one of the best games out. I did really enjoy it. I really enjoyed the fact that you could get into an X-Wing and play with its controls and go up against TIE Fighters with what were at the time state-of-the-art graphics and fantastic little cutscenes. And back then it was like being part of the film, wasn't it? Okay. Alan, what's your earliest memories of the game? Well, I played uh, I played this around a friend's house quite a lot. Um, it was one of a, a body of space sims that he had. I played a few missions and, you know, again... Like Dave, I was I was very interested in the cinematics and the fact that it, it looked very like I was being part of the film, like I was one of those rebel pilots. To you know, it looked very cool. And then played Tie Fighter as well a little bit with some friends too. Um, later on, back I, I think about ten years ago, twelve years ago now, um, I actually went out and bought an old copy and then tried to get that to work again on uh, on my computer and uh, I could see that the graphics were pretty dated, but. The actual flight model, um, yeah, the the actual smoothness of the gameplay on a joystick, I was I was really impressed with. Um, I was really impressed with it then, 
and uh, and I was really impressed with it later. Okay, anybody else in the call got any memories of it at the time? I mean, I remember seeing the box in game, but I must admit I never actually picked it up. I think there's possibly 93 was when I still had Amiga, and these weren't games that were appearing on the Amiga, so I never played it originally. Well, I didn't get it as soon as it came out. It was about four years later when I actually um, knew what anything was. I wasn't actually around at the time, so... <laughs> Go on then, James, just for uh, shaming the rest of us, what was your actual date of birth? I was born in May 1997. But he, he, he sounds mature for his age, so we, we let him on the call. Oh, so. Thank you. <laughs> and it also means it also means that when we when we actually play anything, we have somebody who is still young enough to be able to be good at something, um, so that one of us will at least complete a mission, which is you know is also. Useful. <laughs> yeah, we we brought James in just so he can he can represent the Twitch generation. Grant, what have you got to say, mate? Yeah, no, I remember getting it years ago and, and absolutely loving it. I remember it being great fun, rushing home from school so I could go and play another couple of missions. I don't ever remember completing it, but that's kind of par for the course. Yeah, no, absolutely. I must admit, from obviously last week's episode, it is quite difficult to play these games and try and put yourself back into you know, what 1993 as opposed to obviously 2013. It's it's you know, it's quite difficult to sort of uh, get past the, the dated graphics and the sound and stuff and just sort of play the game for what it was at the time, Chris. If, if I have any memories of X-wing, kind of at the time, we had a we had a PC at home. It was my dad's kind of PC that he'd got for a bit of work and a bit of kind of playing around. And it wasn't really a gaming thing, but I do remember we did get X-wing and we tried to run it, and it was so kind of even then it sort of performed so badly that we could never figure out, you know, really kind of what was happening. I think I, I vaguely remember a training mission which involved flying through a bunch of those kind of goalpost things, but we never really got anywhere with it. So I think, you know, my hope coming to this tonight was that up 20 years of PC technology, I'm hoping it will run better than it ran in 1993 or whenever we're talking about <laughs> yeah absolutely that was one of the things back then wasn't it the whole sort of having to get your pc configured and worrying about whether or not you had the right amount of memory and yeah whether or not you had uh, you know a graphics card that could actually run these sort of things anyway i'm sure we'll probably cope with the ever so faithful dos bot so uh, what we'll do is we'll boot up the game now and uh, give you some early impressions of some of the missions and then come back for a bit of a debrief Operation 1, destroy the Imperial Convoy. The hit and fade strike against the Imperial Convoy leaving the Delat system has turned up an unexpected bonus. Blue Squadron reports that the crew of the Corvette assigned to escort the convoy wants to defect. Your X-Wings are being scrambled to destroy the convoy while the Y-Wings guard the Corvette. A transport where the boarding party is en route over the Corvette. Use your sensors and targeting systems to locate the enemy freighters. You will find that your proton torpedoes are very useful against these large targets. Rebel Intelligence believes that this convoy is part of a resupply operation in preparation for a major Imperial offensive. It is hoped that by capturing the Corvette's crew, more can be learned about this campaign. So that's the mission. Uh, okay, I've, I've destroyed I've destroyed two freighters. I'm now on my way to the third, but there is nothing out here to fire back at you. So the only thing that you can kill you is if you crash into something, which I did um, after about two minutes. Um, okay, um, I I failed. Oh, I failed. <laughs> Anybody well. succeed? I'll tell you when I get back. Right. Uh, oh, yay! I failed. The only problem is, is it takes 
a little bit of time to actually get any action at all in uh, in the early missions of X-Wing. So we've we've skipped through to a historical mission, which guarantees us some combat. How does that do, Foz? Great stuff. Uh, oh, okay, he was pretty easy to shoot down. Oh, or was that? Uh, I might have, that might have been my only wingman. And there's no crosshair on, on the ship that you've targeted, it just glows red. Which I'm finding to be a huge problem. I've done a Porkins. <laughs> oh, you crashed. I'm dead. Back into the Death Star. Yeah, I'm dead too. <laughs> Sir, our TIE interceptors have located a rebel fleet orbiting the planet Torcana. Excellent. Prepare the attack. Move our Star Destroyers within... Okay, so, guys, we've obviously been playing it now for, what, about an hour and a half? What's people's overall impressions? Dave, seeing as you've had a, quite a lot of nostalgia fixed to this, why don't you start us off? How did you feel going back to it after all these years? Well, all I can say is that I must have had a lot more patience back then than I do now, because uh, that was hard. A lot harder than I remember it, actually. Uh, I think twice during that game I got to the end of it having filled the mission with 0% hits whatsoever. So, But other than that, I mean, the, the presentation of the game was good. The cinematic aspects of the game were good, although it got really repetitive after the first couple of times. You could do with an option for turning that off. Um, and all the options you get presented to you during the game, like for configuring your ship or configuring the game or even having a cheat mode. The cheat mode was a pleasant surprise in itself. So, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable, but complicated. More complicated than I remember. Okay, we'll put you on the spot. <laughs> what does your memory say the game was out of 10? And what's the uh, Dave Hughes of today <laughs> give it out of 10? Um, memory gives it 10 out of 10. It was one of my favourite games. No, I would say 9 out of 10, sorry. Because 10 is reserved for only for the week. Yeah, about 9 out of 10 because it was Star Wars. And as I said at the time, Star Wars was pretty big for me. The present day me would give it probably about 5 or 6. Alan, you've played this in the past. What's your... Uh... What's your new opinion of it? Well, in the past, actually, I kind of, because it was a friend's game and I, I got a couple of, you know, sort of plays on it, I kind of thought it was a bit too much of a game for me, if you if you see what I mean. I, I felt it was very challenging and I thought, oh, you know, I'm a bit intimidated by this. Playing it myself now, very different, very different indeed. And I actually, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy necessarily the repetitive nature of the cutscenes and I didn't enjoy necessarily the... Um, the amount of gradual progress you had to make before you got into any decent missions, because I could, I could guess we'd get fifteen or twenty in, and we'd be, we'd be looking at some quite serious missions that'd be very difficult and very dangerous, and you know, involving a lot of different stuff. But the, the sort of sniping of enemy ships, the way in which the, the combat tactics, very different to Wing Commander, and very, very sort of rarefied and very, um, very sort of chancy. I really like that, and I like the the variancy of it. Obviously, the graphics are dated. Yeah, no. In terms of an actual, you know, the the gunning and the uh, the sort of flying around, I, I quite like the management as well, and you know, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Okay, Grant. Yeah, I think I agree with Alan that as well. The uh, original missions were quite slow and quite dull, really. But I suppose that makes sense if you're going to escalate them and bring them to a point. From my memory, where they were blooming hard um, and that you spent a lot of time creating a new pilot and starting again. Things that I liked um, were, I liked the scanning actually, having to identify your target was a nice sort of touch and I know that's something that Elite are thinking about. Hopefully you don't have to get quite as close as you do in X-Wing. Yeah, you had to get ridiculously close in X-Wing, practically crashing into it before it uh, signalled that you'd scanned it. That's how I died in the first mission. Um, <laughs> trying to scan it, they went, ah, crap, right in front of me. And um, the other thing that was a bit of a pain was the cutscenes were 
clunky, slow, and just, oh. And even the briefings and things, everything was just very, very slow. And again, in-game music that I remember being really, really exciting back then is an annoyance now. I like it just because we're old and grumpy. <laughs> it could be that we're old and grumpy, but someone that's obviously not old and grumpy yet. James, what's your impressions? Yeah, it seems like it would be a good game for its time, especially given what I can assume were the expectations of a game at that point in time. So things like things like Wing Commander, it was definitely a step up from that. The graphics were a big improvement, and the gameplay definitely seemed, when we actually started shooting stuff that was firing back, fighting some exciting stuff, the combat seemed to be quite upgraded since then. So yeah, it definitely seemed like a game that was good for its time. For today, it obviously doesn't compare with the top-notch modern games, and it obviously wouldn't. But it's it's still quite fun, and I might I might still play a little bit of it occasionally, see how far I can get before finally rage quitting. <laughs> okay, Alan. Um, I think the thing that we've got to remember here is that um, this game came out in a period of time when we'd had a Star Wars trilogy, and we got to the end of Return of the Jedi, and some of us had been waiting for best part of the decade for anything related to Star Wars at that kind of scale. And you had one or two computer games coming out. You had this, you had Rebel Assault, you had a couple of other bits and pieces with the franchise. But X-Wing was really the, you know, this is the meat and drink of the cool stuff that you had from the original Star Wars trilogy. That's that's what it promised. And of course, what they then had to do is is kind of structure it in such a way so that you didn't just effectively have have like a firework fest in about five minutes you know everything blow up in the sky and go oh ah and then you know walk away it, it needed to actually to to you know to take you through so that it felt like you know you, you had to play a number of hours to to complete what was there but the thing was was that you had something that got you back in the star wars universe and of course we'd not had the next trilogy at this stage we didn't even we didn't even know we were going to get one so at this point it was it was gobbled up as as anything would be you know, to try and get you back in the Star Wars universe. That's interesting because, um, yeah, I was just actually sitting here writing a few notes and one of the things that really frustrated me tonight was actually just the whole pacing of the game. The game just seems so, so slow. Obviously all the cutscenes and all the debriefings and everything else, it just really slowed down the action of the game. But you're right. I mean, obviously one of its biggest selling points at the time was the fact that you were giving a, a generation of Star Wars players something to you know, go back into that universe with. So, yeah, at the time, I can understand why that would be more forgiving. Nowadays, I just think that it was very, very repetitive and, and very, very slow. Chris, what's your opinion? I think my feel on it is that it, it kind of shows that it, it sort of came out at a time when um, sort of military fighter simulators were really kind of in an ascendance on, on the PC and, you know, and on the Amiga as well. There was a real thing at the time of, you know, almost every individual model of fighter plane have had their own game that seemed to be being brought out around them. And and, and from what I remember, even at the time and, and looking at this game again, it is very much taken that flight simulator approach to controlling the ship rather than coming at it from an arcade perspective and saying, you know, we want to have shooting, you know, right from the off and this, that and the other. This is very much a thing of, I mean, I think even calling the game X-Wing, like I say, on a, on a gaming shop shelf, with things like you know F-22 and F-A-18 Interceptor, you're kind of marking this game out as saying this is a flight simulator for the ships in the Star Wars universe. And I think that's what marks it out very much from you know other kind of space games at the time. 
perhaps explains the pace a little bit, you know, because it is modelled very much after that kind of military mission. Yeah, absolutely. Well, moving on to the the sound of the musical score, I mean, it's almost twofold, really, isn't it? Uh, on the one hand, you've got to say that the music is absolutely amazing because it's John Williams, it's Star Wars, it's a classic score, which is absolutely superb. And on the other hand, you've got to say that uh, with modern ears on, uh, the MIDI doesn't sound particularly great. And the, the same issue that we had with Wing Commander last week in that you had the music going on continuously through the missions uh, was actually a bit more distracting than it was great. Grant, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think the cutscene music was fantastic, but the in-game music was oh, the the soundtrack to the Teletubbies. It really <laughs> was. It was. It wasn't. It was worse than elevator music, and I think that's what kind of made it annoying and far too uh, plinky plonky, even for MIDI. Um, I think the Wing Commander in-game music was actually more interesting because um, it kind of went along with the action, but the, that one just seemed to be like. It's like an afterthought. Just let's fill this bit of gameplay up with some music because they're going to be flying around doing very, very little for quite some time yet. So let's try and make it a bit more interesting and they failed. But I think the cutscene music, perfect. Great. Uh, I agree that there wasn't any sort of uh, dynamic shift relating to the background music compared to what you were actually doing in game. Uh, James, you seem to have a, a thought on this. Yeah, MIDI, it's... It obviously works for for games of the time, as as most of the things in that game do. And actually, I think even though it, it works and it, you wouldn't see it in modern games, I think there is still a place for MIDI in a modern setting, even if it isn't in video games. There are other settings for it that work. So even though they weren't exactly direct replicas from the movies, they were definitely recognisable. Like when you actually do get close enough to a TIE fighter to hear the sound it makes, it was definitely recognisable as being a TIE fighter. You wouldn't hear, uh, sorry, you wouldn't recognise it as being anything else. You know what a TIE fighter sounds like and that's what it replicates. And it does it really well. There was one nice point in terms of the music about this game that Wing Commander didn't have, and that was an off option. <laughs> Wing Commander did have an off option. Oh, did it? Yeah. I just couldn't find just it no, then. It was nobody much, found it much apart from me. easier to find in this game, at least then. <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. Okay, so I mean, this is going to be an interesting one, possibly for you know Dave and Alan. Uh, the story aspect of it, I think you've covered a bit of it in the fact that you've said that you know there's a generation just absolutely gagging for new Star Wars universe canon. But how do you think they did in terms of getting that storyline across? Alan, we'll go with you first. Well, I think you've got a situation here where people, you know, this was this was a period of time when the market was was ripe to try and get this kind of information and to get stuff about uh, Star Wars and here what you've got an attempt to do is create a campaign that's immediately before the uh, the film campaign so you know there's a couple of bits in there that tell you that you're setting everything up prior to you know to stuff going on and yeah you know I mean I, I, I think they did fairly well and obviously they, they move things through and of course in the later games as well they uh, they move it up uh, even more so uh, it really, um, really kind of works Great, Dave? Yeah, I've got to say much the same thing, I thought Back then, and from what we saw tonight, I do remember it being very much like part of the film series being in there. I did enjoy the, the cutscenes initially, like watching through them in the intro. And in fact, if I remember right, I used to watch that intro quite regularly, just to watch it, and just to get to that bit where the X-Wing logo spins out of the back of space and plonks itself on the screen. I thought that was quite good. Cool, and Dave, I mean, you've played this um, you know, for an extended period. Can you remember how the, the plot in the game unfolds? 
Uh, was it, you know, was the pacing of it still quite slow or did you feel like it had a real sort of cinematic quality to it? Did it really sort of build the plot as you went through the game? I felt it was plotted much like a film. Yeah, the, the action elements did get more intense as the game went on. can't remember much about the actual detail of it, but the general impression from a memory that's, tell, that's telling me is that it all built up to a point sort of just before the, was it Empire, just before Empire? So you yeah. sort of played through all the, the stuff. You, you played through the build up to Star Wars, and you played through bits of Star Wars, and you played through a bit in the middle. And yeah, the the action ramped up, and the suspense ramped up, and you know it, it was engaging. But if you didn't have the sort of gaming scene for the action, you wouldn't have liked it. And I wasn't. I I love the cinematic thing, like we mentioned Wings last week. That was one thing I love, and the Wing Commander series and Star Wars and Elite for the imagination and all that sort of stuff. I love the immersiveness. I always have. Okay, Alan. I was going to say that actually there's a distinct difference here between Wing Commander and X-Wing where you've got a very strong character identification in Wing Commander because you've got a character that you're playing, a person that you're you're talking about um, and, and who is the, the character on the tiger's claw and he's talking to other people over there and you've got you know characters to be involved with and so on and so forth. The thing is with this is that you've written your own commander name in. Okay, so you did that in Wing Commander. But there's actually no... There's no nuance to who this person is that you are on this ship. So you don't feel much more like a person than the name that you've placed. It's slightly impersonal in that regard. And actually, that's very reminiscent of Frontier. It's very reminiscent of Elite in that you kind of don't have that that sort of bit of being part of a story that is of a character being part of a story. You actually feel a bit more like, almost like it's you, essentially. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Around at the same time that this game came out, there was was it Rogue Trooper? Where you played the part of Kel Katarn, and that was a far more personal game because that was far more action packed and a far more personal game to play because you were a specific character in a specific plot in a specific area, playing a a first person game. And I think those two games coming out roughly the same time complement each other very well because in X Wing you've got the, the full cinematic experience, and with Kel Katarn's game you had the, the very focused experience of a single a single character. That's interesting. We'll probably have to look it up and see if they did come out around about the same sort of time. I'm guessing they probably did, but obviously the Carl Katarn one went. It all probably had as uh, a long and as a successful franchise as the X-Wing franchise did, and they seem to go on for quite a long time. Okay, well, I mean, obviously we've only been playing it for about an hour and a half, but what have we seen within the game itself that we think you know would maybe be good to port across to uh, to Elite or maybe some stuff that you know the developers of Elite Dangerous would uh, would be well to avoid? Just thinking about it from my point of view, I did find the the mission briefings quite difficult, and once you got into space, quite confusing as to what you were supposed to be doing at any given time. So, yeah, obviously. Mission scripting has come a long way since then, but uh, I'm hoping that in, in the new Elite Dangerous game that the, the mission scripting is a lot more clear and it's a lot clearer what your objectives are. Jarvis? I think in terms of a feature that I, that, that I really enjoyed you know, in this particular game that, that still worked, I, mean, I didn't enjoy the game you know, overall, but one feature of it that, that I remember from X-Wing Alliance, which I played quite a lot, is, is just this whole energy management on the ship being able to kind of throw power between your weapons and shields and uh, and engines, particularly that kind of gambit of if you really want to catch an enemy up, just kind of dropping everything out of your shields and, and weapons, putting it all into your engines just to get that extra kind of 40 to 50% speed, I think is a really good tactical choice that it gives the player. And it really 
makes a huge difference in combat as well when you're kind of you know if you're dog fighting with a particularly tricky enemy and you're you're actually with one hand you're kind of constantly modifying your power almost between shots just to kind of keep an edge i think you know it's, it's all about giving the player combat options and i think that's a really interesting one and i definitely like to see that i thought the um missions are maybe not quite relevant to the way the elite's missions on the bulletin board are but think they probably could take some of that sort of briefings um might be interesting in elite but one of the things that i liked in the x-wing was the scanning and i know that elite wants to bring scanning in so you scan a ship and then you find out all the information on that ship and its cargoes and if you've got that particular scanner and whether or not it's got a bounty and i quite like the idea of that maybe being in a small display on your um, elite HUD and you you then can sort of turn a couple of pages depending on the types of scanners you've got fitted. I think that would be a nice way for it to be done. But I think, you know, there's just yeah these mission briefings and the whole way they're staged is so sluggish. But actually, I think having something of a similar nature in Elite Dangerous might help with some of their missions, especially with the newsfeed feature again, you know, building up the storylines and building up new storylines. I think that could really be helpful if it moves into a mission briefing. And the one thing that I always find in these games is you end up in your spaceship and you're forgetting what missions you've taken, what you're meant to be doing, where you're meant to be going. So it's always handy if Elite Dangerous have some kind of log system that you can access from your ship to remind you what the hell you started. That would be (laughs) really handy. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And, you know, if you think about what you're describing there, Grant, it actually it works exceptionally well if you're thinking about, say, the military missions. Obviously, we know we have to dock with the big capital ships. There may be just a slightly different sort of mission interface where you are sat down in front of a you know, a guy waving a stick in front of a, a board or, or something like that. Just something a little bit more uh, military-esque. That's not a word. But something a little bit more military would maybe sort of suit that a little bit better. Militaristic is, I believe, the word you're looking for. Ah, thank you. So militaristic then. <laughs> I think I, I agree with you on that. The, the military missions would benefit from that kind of thing. It's similar to what I said when we were talking about Wing Commander before. The military missions, I think, should be handled differently to the, the civilian missions. They should have a, a decent military flavour to them. And I think X-Wing's method and to an extent Wing Commander's method would work very well with that. Whether it be you get off your ship and you go to a briefing or whether you do like a video cast briefing where you've got the, sc- the, the head, talking heads on your screen, I think it would work really well. Okay, Alan, any final thoughts from you as to what maybe we could port across through Elite Dangerous for anything that we should definitely leave out? Well, I think we've got to be a little careful when we're talking about adding the military briefings because I, I guess that part of the the focus and the premise of Star Citizen is to have this, you're enlisted and then you, you muster out and you go off and do your own thing. So, you know, it'd be a little bit difficult if Elite Dangerous starts to stray into that area, you're inviting a direct comparison but certainly the the idea of the capital ships having something different uh, is quite cool. Um, I think the actual flight model is really good. Um, I don't think we got a, the best experience of it tonight because, you know, we only played a couple of missions. But the flight model, the energy distribution and just the, you know, the responsiveness of the flight model is excellent. And the, the variation of the NPCs, the way in which the, the adversaries fly, they fly in a very, very different way. If you recall from when we were playing Wing Commander... Um, you could pick out which way some of the ships were were breaking, and you knew that you know that they would always fly in a particular way. Don't do that in uh, in X-wing, which I think is really good. And actually, I'm not sure if we just didn't know what the key was this evening, 
uh, or whether it was a feature they added later in X-Wing Alliance. But one of the problems with this tonight was kind of managing the speed uh, of the ships. You, you always felt tonight like we were kind of either overshooting enemies or they were flying off into the distance. And I remember with X-Wing Alliance, there was a key which would basically allow you to match speed with the target. Um, so if you kind of got an enemy into a kind of good position, I think it was like enter or something, you could hit hit return when you were chasing them and you would just match their speed and then you could just follow them and shoot them quite nicely. And I think so just a little, you know, little additions like that actually make quite a big difference to a flight model. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly one of the games that we are planning on playing uh, in the not too distant future is a series called Conflict Free Space, uh, which again did the whole matching of speed uh, to your target, which worked exceptionally well. Dave, final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think the, the shield and speed management systems that were mentioned there, yeah, that could be an interesting thing to add. Final thing I would say is that I'd actually completely forgotten the X-Wing had that whole thing about managing your shields and managing your speed through the energy distribution. And that kind of matches up with the shield management stuff that they've put into Elite Dangerous, one of the proposals that went to the DDF. Okay, well, all that's left to do then really is for us to give our final verdict. Chris, on a rating out of 10, what would you say your enjoyment of the game tonight would be? Oh, I'd have to be harsh and, and give it pretty low. Um, but I think, you know, for me, it didn't quite have the same sort of cinematic engagement as Wing Commander. And it doesn't have the kind of freedom of frontier. So I think, for me, it falls a little bit between two posts. I think I'd score, you know, I wouldn't put a number on it, but I don't think this is a game that I would persist with. Other than the fact that it's Star Wars, if I wanted to kind of live out a bit of a Star Wars uh, thing, you know, for an afternoon, I probably would probably would fire it up. But this wouldn't be, I wouldn't list this among my among my sort of top five space shooters. Okay, Alan? Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I dusted out my old copy of X-Wing Alliance, which Chris mentioned earlier, and I found online there's actually a complete game mod that will uh, revert X-Wing Alliance back to X-Wing, but with updated graphics. Um, it has a completely uh, redone graphics uh, setup that was done in something like 2011, which I thought was really interesting. So I'm going to explore that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I love this. It's not what I want Elite to be because it's a very limited go here, do this, do this, come back. Go here, do this, do this, come back. But I like the experience tree. Um, I find this a little better than Wing Commander, than certainly than the first two, because I think I found it more challenging in the flight model. So, yeah, so I, I quite enjoyed that. So I'd probably, if you're asking for ratings, I'd probably give it a seven. Mm, good score. Grant? Yeah, I was excited to actually come in and, and, and go back and revisit this game tonight. It was a bit slower to get to any action than I remember. Um, and I think with compared with that with Wing Commander and how you so quickly you're into the action, I think the lack of action in X-Wing kind of leaves you feeling unimportant. I think, you know, when you're playing these kind of games, the first thing you should be feeling is that you are an important part of this this world. So I thought, it just a little bit disengaging with the, the, the sort of um, speed of the game and the fact that there was nothing firing at you in that first mission. And, you know, the next mission was reconnaissance and taking photographs of things. You kind of think, I'm a grunt here. And not particularly uh, abused heavily enough to make it entertaining to be that kind of grunt. Other than that, I think if I was to give it a rating, around about 6 out of 10. Okay. Dave? I think I already did a, a bit of a rating for this earlier. I said I'd give it five or six out of ten because it it did feel a little bit dragging on. My patience issues were a bit more pronounced in this game. It was better than Wing Commander. Definitely better than Wing Commander. I got more engaged into it. I'd give it some replay value, though, because I'm quite tempted to nip back into it again now and just have a bit of a play for the rest of the night until I fall asleep. 
because it was it was fun being part of Star Wars again. I must admit. Okay, well, uh, from my perspective, uh, I have to say that I really didn't get into this at all. I was I was hoping to. I certainly played some of the you know, the later X-wing games and really enjoyed them. But I say that the pacing with this and just the fact the combat was quite confusing and you know, almost sort of too frantic. I found in the uh, in the dog fighting section, regardless of how much I slowed myself down, I found I could only actually kill Tie fighters by crashing into them which is never a good way of doing things. So no, contrary to what everybody else has said, I'm going to say that actually I enjoyed Wing Commander far more. I know the sprites and everything else weren't uh, as advanced in terms of the technicalities, but I think in terms of a fun gameplay, I actually thought Wing Commander was actually more fun to play than this was. Final point from you, Chris. Just in response to you know what you're saying there about Wing Commander, um, having listened to your guys' podcast from last week, the key word that kept coming up when you were talking about Wing Commander's gameplay was fun. And at no point in discussing the kind of simulation of X-Wing has anyone said that was really good fun. And I think it depends what you're looking for. And I also I feel bad for not committing to a number. I'll say four. Yeah, and to be fair, I didn't actually commit to a number either, but I would, I'm with you there. I would definitely say yeah, four is probably fair from my enjoyment level this evening. Okay, so just before I close off the show, a big thank you to uh, Mr. Jarvis for coming along. Thank you very much. Mr. Stroud. Thank you, sir. Mr. Hughes. Thank you. Uh, James. It's great to be here. And finally, Mr. Walcott. Uh, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype. Add lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over. help deliver the plans to Princess Liana Organa. Worst Akbar impression ever. <laughs> <laughs> the hit and fade truck in the Imperial Convoy leading the Delop system has turned up an unexpected weaponous. <laughs> Interesting enough, the green reticule you get on your lasers seems to light up when you're doing that rather than actually on the ship. Because nobody listens to a word that I say. <laughs> Fossa, try waggling your wings. <laughs> I don't know what Han Solo was on about. Jumping to hyperspace is like dusting crops. Yeah, it's pretty easy, isn't it? <laughs> James Vigo? Oh god. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to explain something there, okay. First of all it's Viger. And That's okay, he said Leia wrong. Who, who's Liana? <laughs> Princess, Princess Liana, what? Oh, God. Okay.
Well, it's only going to be bloopers if people actually know the correct pronunciation of it. Well, now they do. <laughs> okay. Vigor! <laughs> Call me Vigor! <laughs> yes, Master. <laughs> <laughs> it's a river of slime! <laughs> it's Vigor! <laughs> it's Vigor! <laughs> See, I'm taking this as an example that for some of us, PVE is challenging enough.